Well, perhaps you've seen the movie Argo that came out in 2012. Uh, in this movie, Argo, the actor Ben Affleck plays a CIA agent, Tony Mendez, whose job it is to figure out how to get a group of American diplomats out of a Canadian ambassador's home in Iran before radical militants find them and kill them. The movie is based on a true story, and the plot this CIA agent comes up with is incredible. So he decides to go in under the radar, posing as a movie director. He's smuggled into Tehran, and then he has to convince these American diplomats to play along as his crew and as his acting team, which of course they're not. And so there are tons of close calls down to the very end of the movie where they're chased on the runway as they attempt to fly away. But I won't ruin the ending. Now, what I was fascinated with was the tagline of the movie, which said, Argo, the movie is fake, but the mission is real. We might ask if this tagline applies properly to the account of the resurrection as described in Mark's version that we've just heard. Is the movie fake, but the mission real? What do I even mean by that? To be sure, some will say, we don't know about all this resurrection stuff, but we can all agree that Jesus was a good model of love, right? Which I think is just another way of saying the movie is fake, but the mission is real. To misquote Frederick Buechner, the resurrection is not just saying that it is the teachings of Jesus which are immortal, like those of Socrates or like the music of Beethoven. The resurrection is not just saying that it is the spirit of Jesus that is undying as he lives among us in loving acts or something like that. It is proclaimed by the church as a fact. Alleluia, Christ is risen. What a bold and audacious and mysterious claim made before us tonight. If it is not true, it is the height of arrogance, and worse, it is the biggest lie ever conceived on earth. To be sure, if the earliest disciples were just making up a story, it would look very different than the one that we've received. And of course, many did not believe in Christ even after his resurrection, which suggests that it is not just enough to know the truth of this story. And yet... The church claims that this story is true in a way that corresponds to reality. And the church could make this claim in the first century and in our century because the resurrection of Jesus was physical in his flesh, which makes all the difference for our flesh, our bodies too. You see, if the resurrection of Jesus is not every bit as physical as his death on a cross, or by extension, if it is not as physical as the death of our children and our parents, then it is not an answer to the problem of death. But again, here the church boldly proclaims that his bodily resurrection was physical. 
and that it is the answer, not only to death, but to the very physical lives we live, both now and in the life of the world to come. But entering into this truth is mysterious, and it will cost us our lives. When I was a teenager, I developed a relationship with a group of guys, and we would regularly go on outdoor excursions, from winter backpacking to weekend canoe trips to trying to live off the land for a week in the summer. We loved daring and risky adventures in the woods. It's a miracle that I'm still alive, actually, or that my mom never found out. My mom's listening. Mom, I'm sorry. So one weekend on a canoeing trip with this group of guys, my friend Gabe and I, we decided to take a canoe uh, down a river rapid that was clearly only safe for experienced kayakers. And this particular rapid was really dangerous because it occurred just before a turn in the river, and so the force of the cascading water shut you out towards a rock wall that then sunk diagonally down into the water. And so to get caught there meant that you would be held under by the full force of a large river. And so the key was to make a hard right turn before hitting this rock. And we were not inexperienced, but we were stupid. And so we took the dare. And we screamed like cowboys as we rode the canoe through the wild rapids and made it through. Almost. We approached the bend in the river, and the final rapid acted like a slingshot, sending us towards this massive rock wall. And we paddled furiously hard on the left side in order to turn right, and we almost made it except the rock. It caught the very tail end of the canoe, flipped it, lodging it down, down into the water with me underneath it. There was no way I could swim up. Thousands of pounds of water pressure keeping me under this canoe. To this day, I remember the visceral feelings of utter terror. I thought, this is really it. I am going to die. I was under for what seemed like two minutes, which in reality was about 40 seconds or so. And by a miracle of grace, which I still don't understand to this day, I got pulled by some kind of cross current and swam the only place that I could think to go. Down. Deep down into the water. And a moment later, I broke the surface of the water downstream about 30 feet into the light of day swam to shore, and after catching my breath, I stood on my own two feet again. The great mathematician Archimedes, the inventor of the lever, once wrote, Give me somewhere to stand, and I will move the earth. Whereas death will ultimately take away our place to stand, God gives us sure footing through the dusty, bloody, worn, and nail-pierced feet of a Nazarene carpenter, the same feet that entered the water of the Jordan and have now walked through the open door of the empty tomb, the cross of this God. It acts as a cosmic lever against all sin and death and gives us all a place to stand. This is what baptism and resurrection are all about. Even though all of us will die, even though none of us will escape death, we can trust that death will not finally drown us. No, we have been drowned in God through baptism, who will raise us up on the last day. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, 
we will certainly be united with him in a resurrection like him. Right, St. Paul. You see, God's movement has always been towards life, life that plunges through the darkness to the far side of light, downwards into the cross currents of humanity. As we've heard in our scripture readings this evening, God's spirit swept down over the waters of creation, pressing into them and bringing life. God's might moves into the waters of the Red Sea and saves a people through water. God's mercy sees a people thirsting to death and invites all who thirst, come to the water. God's love sprinkles his people with clean water and trades out hearts of stone for hearts of flesh. God plunges his people deep into the dark waters of baptism so that they might experience the newness of his life in the resurrection. The task then for the present is not to avoid the cross currents of the demands of faith, but to swim deeper into the living water, to be carried away in the currents of grace. And then we will find that God's grace will lift us out again into his newness of life, where he gives us a place to stand. Think about what this hope of the resurrection means for us and for our children in all of our physicality and our physical interactions in this world. Our bodies, our physicality, all of this stuff of life is not for nothing. This embodied life, mom and dad jumping up and down as the skinned knee child finally rides his bike the first kiss with the love of your life, the joy upon hearing the weak cry of your firstborn after many hours of grass on a warm day, the grandpa watching his grandson hit his first baseball, the hand that finally goes limp in yours at the hospital bed, a father giving his daughter's hand to her beloved, the all-clear cancer report, a miscarriage, the abundant burst of spring flowers, the pain of rehab after an accident, the delight of laughing out loud at the antics of your silly dog, the tears shed, and the numb body, and the cold wanderer who has suffered a loss so disorienting that there seems to no longer be any place to stand. All of the joys, all of the sorrows we experience in and through our bodies, they are not all for nothing. Because the God who says, this is my body given for you, will also give us back our bodies 